0: Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord, we go into a new chapter this morning of seeking to understand in greater depth the person of the Holy Spirit, strangers to many of us, and yet the very essence of power for us to live the Christian life. Be present here to open our minds and give understanding to us so that we might be able to enter into that power and that effectiveness that the early Christians knew In the book of Acts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I love new beginnings. It's times when we can leave the past behind and savor the good parts and forget that which we would not want to repeat. And this morning we start a new church year. And it's a year about which I'm optimistic and excited, believing that God has some new things for us. Bob Buford wrote a book entitled Game Plan in which he stresses how vital it is for believers to view the past history of our lives as an epic, as nothing more than preparation for what God is still planning for the future. Our greatest moments of success and achievement as well as our most devastating defeats and sins somehow all work toward God's perfect purpose for us. That's the miracle of our faith. As, we, as Christians... We can affirm, as I'm saying in the title today, the best is always yet to be because we believe in grace, we believe in mercy, we believe in God's purpose for us. Eugene Peterson puts it beautifully this way. He says, nothing from our past is thrown out with the garbage. Nothing from our past is lost. It's all composted and assimilated into a growing life. I'm convinced God has a plan for us to move beyond where many of us are this fall in spiritual ruts, stagnation, boredom, no expectancy that anything will be different in our spiritual life than it's always been, and he wants to move us into some new chapters of usefulness to God, new maturity in our faith and our love. The book of Acts describes an event that can make a miracle like that happen. It's an event I've never preached on in my ministry. It's the time when the Holy Spirit came upon Christians permanently. And and, and here was the event. It's staggering. 120 frightened, weak, self-centered, sinful, discouraged men and women were suddenly transformed into a new breed of believer. And the text says, like a rushing of a mighty wind, the Spirit came and those possessed believers literally penetrated the decadent society of their time until Christianity became the dominating force in the world in a very short time. Now, here's something to keep in mind. Just a few weeks earlier, before this event, it was these same people, the Bible says, deserted Jesus at the time of his crucifixion and fled. They were useless. They were so self-centered, they couldn't stand by their Lord in the time of deepest need. A few weeks later, here they are, marching out into a world filled with new power that brought thousands to Christ. That's an event worth studying. So we're going to begin our study of Acts seeking new insight into this person we call the Holy Spirit, who wants to write some new chapters in your life and mine. First, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our lives, giving us supernatural power to dream new dreams, expect new beginnings in our Christian experience. The text puts it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power here is related to witness, and witness is related to being effective for Christ in the world. The Holy Spirit, then, is God's power operating in human personality, enabling us to give a witness to the truth that Jesus is alive and he's well in our personal lives and in this church. Now, as you study this in depth, you find our witness happens when, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we allow Christ's life-transforming love to flow through our lives into the lives of those we contact who have needs in the world around us. And it's that process of transferring love we receive to a needy world that gives witness to that world that Christ is alive. You know with me that everywhere people are worried, they're anxious, they're troubled, they're broken, and above all, they're needing someone to care. Miracles happened in the book of Acts. Miracles will happen today when the Holy Spirit removes the stone of indifference that's on so many of our hearts. The feeling that there's so much suffering out there, there's nothing we can do, so we insulate it and we put a stone between us and human need. And when the Spirit takes away that stone and replaces it with sensitivity to human needs and a passion to meet those needs, we have entered a new chapter in our Christian experience, a new adventure, a new joy. You see, Spirit-filled Christians get involved in caring for people, not because we have to or we're trying to earn stripes with God. It's that we can't help ourselves. And when we care, the power of our witness is demonstrated because caring people are noticed. I couldn't have asked for a better week as a platform upon which to uh, preach this message than this week. The entire world has been impacted by a week of mourning over the death of princess diana reading the internet listening to the media i find it interesting no one seems to know for certain just why this outburst of love and respect from millions around the world why the most extraordinary funeral of the century one explanation given that in a world obsessed with self here was a woman of wealth and power who refused to use her resources to insulate herself from the human suffering around her. She didn't hide in her castle, but she went out into the streets and got involved with lepers, AIDS patients, the control of landmines, the homeless, sick children, etc., etc. The point, caring love possesses great power to influence people. Caring people are noticed. And then on top of that comes Mother Teresa's death. Here was a woman who loved the poor, poured out her life for them. And the headlines this morning was, here was a woman who loved the poor one person at a time. And that was headlines. I think that's wonderful for our world of what's happened, calling attention to the power of breaking with ourselves and getting involved with people. You see, caring love putting others ahead of self. This is the heartbeat of Christianity. This is the goal to which we're pointing as a church. If you ever ask yourself, what are all the worship services, the Bible studies, the prayer meetings about? Where are we trying to take you? Well, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to make us like Jesus and to be like Jesus is to be a self-giving person as he was, the most self-giving person who's ever lived. And the text tells us we will receive power to become witnesses to Jesus when the Spirit comes upon us. And you know, that's what I'm expecting this year. That in spite of everything we've done in the past as a church, we're going to have a new anointing of the Holy Spirit that's going to take us that next step of maturity from thinking that Jesus is just a blessing machine for us, protecting us, providing for us, to seeing that Jesus is a catalyst to send us out into the needy world for which he died and to do what he would do if he were walking the earth. And he is through us, and that is to care for people. As I reflected this summer, the secular, skeptical world isn't impressed by church buildings, complex theological doctrines, our big theological debates at assembly levels, our endless lists of pronouncements and do's and don'ts. But when the Holy Spirit frees Christians from our obsession with self, from acquiring, consuming, achieving, and when we can demonstrate that we really care about a neighbor's need, then our witness for Jesus begins to have an impact. People set up and take notice. And you know what? Jesus is glorified. But you know, here we meet a problem. Breaking free from self is not difficult. For most of us, including this pastor, it's impossible. Many who don't take the name Christian do a better job of caring than we do. We all know that. And that's an indictment on the church. And one fact coming back from summer that's becoming increasingly obvious to me is only the power of the Holy Spirit will liberate us from our cocoons of fear, our preoccupation with security, our obsession with self, our love of things. We can't do it in our own strength. At least I cannot. I'm too selfish. I'm too seduced by the culture out there. I can't break with self. But the good news is the Holy Spirit can do what I can't do for myself. And when the Holy Spirit gets control of our hearts, the impossible becomes the possible, and skeptics of the church out there begin to stand up and take notice. While standing on Fanny Bridge in Tahoe City, I until the next century for the lake to fill, if ever. Now, to give you an idea of why they were saying that, Lake Tahoe has a lot of water in it—enough to cover the state of California 14 inches. It would take 500 years to refill it. But one factor the pessimists did not take into calculation was God and his power. And after two years of incredible snowfall, the lake is full. Billions of gallons have flowed into that until it's overflowing the dam. And I thought as I stood on Fanny Bridge, what a parable of the Holy Spirit's potential for us. The world out there is sort of saying the church has had its day. They see us as on a downward spiral. Christians are really no more interested in anything but basically themselves in their own little worlds, and it'll never change. And I thought, here comes the Holy Spirit to us as Christians at MPPC, and He will make us people who care. We will prove the skeptics wrong right in the midst of a society where increasingly few people care about anyone. I think that's good news. For some reason, this last summer, I I struggled with feelings about my ministry, feelings of inadequacy to lead this complex congregation into new chapters of loving, uh, for many reasons. Uh, I think, first of all, uh, you, you need to know, and I'm sure you do, we're a pretty diverse group of people. And I find that I can love people who love me. I, I really can love people who are sort of my opinion, supporting what I do, like my sermons. But, but you know, um, <laughs> I find in all honesty, I tend to insulate and withdraw from people who are not like me and who aren't thrilled to death with me. And therefore, I concluded this summer, I'm selective in my love. I can't even love this congregation, much less talk to you about loving the world out there and and that was rather distracting to me and disappointing we're a motley crew we're as diverse as any congregation could be and I'll tell you there's only one explanation as to why we can sit together in this church and that's Jesus Christ there would be no other possibility to explain how we can sit in peace with each other now in the midst of that struggle God made it clear to me now I'm um, i do not say I heard a voice it just became clear. And it said, Walt, you're absolutely right. You can't build my church and you can't love people as I love them. And what made you think you ever could? But through the Holy Spirit, I can do it for you and I will. That message wasn't just for me, it's the message for us. Do you realize that none of us can really take one more step in the Christian life and grow? You can't love. I can't love as Jesus loves. We can't break with this prison of self, with our obsession with things. Loving as Jesus loved is impossible until we recognize our need for the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's what's gonna happen this year. The Holy Spirit will become a living reality for us because we realize the impossibility of doing anything more in our Christian life than what we've done. We want something more than Bible studies and prayer meetings and endless worship services. We want to graduate out to do the work Jesus has commissioned us to do, but we cannot. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon us as it came upon that 120 in the upper room. And so I return this year with some definite convictions. God is not planning for our church to rest on our laurels. He's not saying, you're finished MPPC, job well done. I'll never be satisfied with the status quo because God is not. We're not there yet. Thank God our spiritually hungry culture needs Jesus. And we will present him with new boldness and clarity and love because that's all we have to present to the world, Jesus. And that will become increasingly the focus of our preaching and of this church. And the Spirit is going to make our church one inclusive, united family, regardless of age, marital status, ethnicity, moral condition, or varying tastes in worship. We're a miracle, as I said a few minutes ago, Most churches are divided according to age, according to taste. They have various services for trying to please every palate. We have one service for everyone and it's working because we're a family and we care about people and everyone is welcome here and no one is excluded for any reason. Everyone is welcome because that's what Jesus would have it be if we take his name. And then finally, we're gonna reach out to love our community as never before. Touching places where human need is most urgent. You know, I was thinking this summer, What would happen if Menlo Press closed its doors? Would there be any mourning in the streets, as happened this last week when somebody missed someone who cared? And I thought, you know, I want to lead a church where if we closed our doors, there would be vast mourning all over the peninsula because what we were doing out there touching the needy would have ceased and they would miss it. That's what we're called to do. That's a witness for Jesus. And that's 10,000 times more powerful than all our prayer meetings and Bible studies and things that people out there don't understand until they experience the love of Christ through us. What happened in the book of Acts can happen to us. We can become people who care. But let me anticipate where you are because this is where I was during the summer. The greatest barrier to the Holy Spirit writing new chapters in our lives is not the forces of evil, It's our own disbelief, our lack of expectancy, that we can break with self and have a new beginning. In fact, maybe it's even our lack of desire that we change. Many of us are satisfied with the status quo. And so maybe as you hear a preacher, you can say Gerber's back from his vacation, he's fresh, he's a cheerleader, and it's wonderful, and in a month things will be just the same, and we can throw a wet blanket on this whole idea that God's going to do a new thing. And you know, wet blankets are always... Uh, an obstruction to change. Someone sent me this article entitled Wet Blankets Through History. It it makes a point. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. Western Union internal memo 1876. How wrong can you get? And then heavier than air flying machines are impossible. Lord Kelvin, President Royal Society, 1895. This is a good one. A cookie store is a bad idea. Besides, the market research reports say America likes crispy cookies, not soft and chewy cookies like you make, response to Debbie Field's idea of starting Mrs. Field's cookies. And here's a winner. We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on its way out. Decca Recording Company rejecting the Beatles, 1962. And they've cried about it ever since. Wet Blanket mentality is costly folks especially when we apply it to new beginnings in our Christian life our God is a God of the impossible and he wants to take every one of us and shake us into the fact I'm not finished with you yet don't retire don't quit now we can't command or create a new experience of the Holy Spirit's power in our midst any more than it was within human potential to fill drought stricken Lake Tahoe but you know what we can do we can desire it We can desire the power of the Spirit to make us vehicles of Christ's love at a new level than we've ever known before. We can pray for it, and we can expect it, and we can recognize this biblical truth. It's not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This leads to a final truth about the Holy Spirit in the form of a question. What will happen to us when we receive a transfusion of spiritual power from the Spirit of God? As the Spirit takes hold in our lives, prayer will become a top priority because we know apart from Jesus we can do nothing. I can tell you that's the case for me. I can't survive without prayer. I depend totally on prayer. And the only reason I'm back this fall is because I can tap God's power way beyond anything I possess as your preacher. I think we will dare to venture challenges for God that are totally impossible to pull off in our own strength. Have you ever tried anything that's impossible, but you just did it because you feel called of God to do it? And have you ever had the adventure of watching God pull it off, do a miracle? That's what makes Christianity exciting. And I believe we're going to make loving and serving others a high priority on our agendas, and we're going to be willing to take bigger risks to do it. I believe we're going to come to worship regularly with a passion and a hunger to relate to God, not to evaluate this as some religious performance and we vote good or bad depending on how worship made us feel that day. We've got to get beyond thinking worship is a performance and and it has to make us feel good. Worship is for God because we love Him and we need Him and we thirst for Him and we're coming here seeking Him and worshiping Him. And we want everybody in this church when we're here to be able to plug in. And that's why we use so many forms of music and different tastes. It's for everybody, because we're a big family. And I believe the Holy Spirit will lead us to hunger for Bible study, because the Bible is the truth we can't survive in this society without, because there's so many lesser truths that are forcing their way into our mentality. And we're going to need to meet with other believers to find the support we need to take Christ's love into the secular world during the week. We can't do it in our own strength. Bottom line, our study of the Holy Spirit today means we don't have to stay where we are on our spiritual journey. We don't have to remain in our prison of self. Our past can only be a building block in becoming all that God designed us to be. And what did God design us to be? To be like Jesus. And I repeat, he's the most self-giving person in history. We're impressed with Diana, Mother Teresa. Think of Jesus who left the glory of and riches of heaven and came here to wash your feet and mine and died for us. That, that's love. Now God never expects us to live this kind of love in our own strength. But the Holy Spirit was sent as our helper to enable us to do supernaturally what we can't do in our own strength and that's to become like Jesus. So as you go home, let me ask, where do you need a new beginning in your spiritual journey? What would you change in your Christian experience if you knew knew the Holy Spirit would give you the power? And what new venture would you attempt for your Lord if you knew you couldn't fail? Dare to ask God with me to bring some new beginnings to our spiritual life this year, to pull us out of our ruts, to get get us out of our status quo mentality. God is faithful. God is going to do a new thing among us. The best is yet to be because he said so. C.S. Lewis was right. There are better things ahead than any we leave behind. Let's live and go out into the world like we really believe that's true. Would you bow in prayer with me? Oh, God, thank you for the church. Thank you for the inspiration of those early Christians. Thank you for the grace that can help us know we've been sometimes frightened, sinful, paralyzed, but that does does not mean we have to stay there. God, break us free. Fill us with the love of Jesus. Send us out into a needy world to care. We pray in his name. Amen.